Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of Cooking with Brendan. I am your host, Brendan. You know, Meatloaf has a very rich history in the United States. He's best known for his trilogy of albums, Bad Outta Hell. I'm just kidding. But I would do anything for loaf. This is... Marking out. Pro wrestling talk for pro wrestling fans. We marking out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro wrestling talk for pro wrestling fans. We marking out, y'all. Marking out. Pro wrestling talk for pro wrestling fans. We marking out, y'all. Brendan likes this Pro wrestling talk for pro wrestling fans. We marking out, y'all. We marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. And make sure that you check out all of our previous episodes, MarkingOut.com. You can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to those podcasts. But this is episode number 572, and we are going to give you one hell of an episode. Make sure that you check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and make sure you go buy a t-shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. Also, use the discount code Regardless, over at manscaped.com. But that being said, let's get the show on the road as I am here with the B to the G, the Brandon, my cousin, your cousin, everyone's cousin. It is Brandon. Hey, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always, and yourself? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing great, you know. Doing great. Hanging in there. How was your week? It was good. I uh, I ended up making more Philly cheesesteak style meatloaf. Okay. I, I feel like I had to. It was so good. And it still is so good. This time, I, I didn't have as much provolone cheese, though. So I used Swiss cheese as well. So, okay. Not my first choice, but so it's you still did really the, good. The Swiss and the provolone. Provolone, provolone combo? Yeah. All right, interesting combination. Not a bad one. Not a bad one though. Yeah, I'm finding also, myself uh, to be a real uh, Pepper Jack fan. I, don't, I like I like Pepper Jack, but it's never gonna be ever like it's never gonna be my go-to. Really? I don't know. Ever, I no. I like the little kick of the Pepper Jack. Yeah, I don't need that. I don't know. I'm I'm becoming. If I had to choose Pepper Jack over Swiss, I used to love Swiss, but I'm going with Pepper Jack. I'd rather have my heat from like a sauce or something. All right, I could understand that. Respectable, I get you. So, what did you? Yeah. What else did you do? I also uh, started playing Wordle. You ever hear of it? Wordle, <laughs> Wordle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, been seeing. It's the latest uh, trend. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people posting it on Twitter one day. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this is. People are just posting emojis. I don't know, <laughs> like box emojis. And then uh, I saw Jimmy Fallon do it on The Tonight Show and actually play it. So I've been playing for a few days now. I have i don't want to jinx it, but I've gotten the puzzle every single day. The first day I tried it, uh, you, boom. No, no, no. It, you know the drill. You just You did just jinx it. But the first day I did it, though. Literally the first day, one word, guess, boom, right away. Is this supposed to be difficult? 
I mean, you have six chances to get it, so... Uh-huh. And what do you get if you get this correct? It goes on your, your record. That's it. Nothing... It's not even an app or anything. People are like, where's this Wordle app? It's a website. You go to the website. You have six guesses to guess a five-letter word. If you guess a letter that's correct, it turns green. If you guess a, a letter that's correct or in the correct spot, it turns green. And if you uh -huh. guess a correct letter in general, it turns yellow. And then you have to find the actual spot. So so it just kind of like fill in the blank? Yeah. So you, you just start, guess... You start with a, a random five-letter word. If the letters are there, they're, they're there. So you're playing Wheel of Fortune. No, you're not guessing vowels and you're not buying letters or anything. Uh-huh. You just type in, let's say you type in Holly. Okay. The letters aren't there. You type in crazy or something. Uh-huh. And you work off of that and then you have the, the, the six chances to get the whole world, the word. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's game. no denying that it's the latest trend. Yeah. You know that and figment popcorn buckets. If you're going to Disney World, <laughs> yeah, I saw the lines for that. Yeah, it was seven hours for for one day, I believe. Which now, is why? just insane. Why? I, I don't know. People love the the popcorn buckets and stuff. And figment's a beloved character. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Disney mark, but I don't think I would ever wait for that. And I don't even know if I'd want to buy that. And once they ran, because it, it's also a huge thing, but once they ran out of the rainbow popcorn that they were giving with the figment bucket, you got a figment spork that they're also selling. Mm -hmm. So I think that's even a better deal than the popcorn, but I yeah, believe the bucket's all sold out now. Yeah, I saw they were selling on eBay and stuff. Yeah, people were selling it on eBay for like 800 bucks. People sold, there was, uh, which I had the idea of and just did not do it because I thought it was dumb. People were selling drawings of the bucket. And one person I saw had an auction for Cherry, a really bad drawing of this figment bucket, sold for charity for over $10,000. What the heck is wrong with people? I mean, you have that. You got <laughs> NFTs. Uh, but again, I mean that's like a charity i maybe i understand it i think the other ones I, I think the top one maybe sold for like 23 bucks perhaps that's insane like non-charity yeah but that's insane a, yeah but uh, and it's also like i feel like the ones in a um in disney world don't really you don't really get popcorn buckets that are like the best there's a lot of cool ones but japan has like the coolest popcorn buckets yeah, but, you just got to find some use of them after. Well, you could, if you're going back to Disney World, you could always bring it in and get a refill for, I think, maybe a dollar or something like that. Eh, depending you're on stuck which popcorn you're getting. The entire day again. Yeah. You know? But again, if you're, if these things are selling for like 800 bucks, that's, you're not, I wouldn't use it. I mean, just buy it for the 800 you and know? it sucks because then, then people were walking out of the parks apparently buying like 15 of them at a time, something like that, like some odd number to just actually sell on eBay. And it's like, yeah, that's not what it's supposed to be about. No, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's the Festival of the Arts. You're supposed to celebrate the art. Come on. <laughs> well. But, uh, yeah, that's basically my week. How about yourself? Well, speaking about the art, 
You know, it sounds like that's more of the art of uh, entrepreneurship, you know. You're buying something, you're selling something. It's all about that business mindset and something that um, I was offered the opportunity to actually be an international speaker for Peru University in India. So this is going to be for the Physio E Summit. Um, I'm going to be presenting on January 27th over Zoom. Over uh, It's going to be 10.30 a.m. in India, which is going to be midnight for us on Thursday going into Friday. So I'm going to be presenting on the entrepreneur mindset of physical therapy. Wait, what so, time is it here? Midnight. Midnight. So it's going to be midnight to probably 1 a.m. Um, but yeah, so that I'm so grateful and thankful for that opportunity. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to speak about that. The entrepreneur mindset of physical, ther- of physical therapist and uh, speak about a lot of social media and just having that determination and a drive to go get your dreams. And I am very excited for this and I'm very thankful with Peru University and just that Physio E Summit. It's going to be incredible. So very amped about that. Very excited. But yeah, um, besides that, that's been really the, a big thing with this week that I've been preparing for and very excited for. You know, and did you use uh, Drew Gulak at all for inspiration? I do, I do. I actually have two PowerPoint presentations that I have to, uh, that I were was creating for this one, and then one for uh, on ankle and foot uh, CPGs, uh, clinical practice guidelines. So that was uh, really um, inspired by Drew Gulak, and without him in his PowerPoint presentations. I don't know where I would really be. So, yeah. I, I know you also watched uh, Peacemaker, some of it, right? Oh, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I got. I watched the three episodes. Um, I loved it. I loved it. It was just as I, it was very similar. You on the podcast, you heard me speak about Doom Patrol. I was a big mark of Doom Patrol. And Peacemaker is that same comedy, same action and storyline aspect. So it roped me in completely. I love the fact that it's John Cena, but it's just like the storyline and the plot and everything is actually really entertaining and really funny. Um, Huge fan. And Brandon, what about that intro, that theme song? Yeah, it was good. That thing when, when when he was on the Tonight Show and spoke about it with Jimmy Fallon, the way Fallon built it up, I thought it was going to be something more like a Full House or Family <laughs> Matters, but mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a lot different than that. Yeah, uh, I, I was a big fan. I can't wait for the rest of the episodes. It's going to be weekly, though, right? Yeah, there's one out for this week already as well. Well, I know what I'm going to be doing. Uh this weekend but yeah that's the one thing that i'm not used to is like i haven't been into a weekly tv show since game of thrones so but i think that we have a winner oh and i actually started watching another tv show called ghosts uh that uh-huh have you heard of it i watched that yeah how do you like it I, i like it yeah yeah i i started watching that and that I found very funny and entertaining. I love the Viking. 
Uh, and so I started watching Ghost too, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah. Peacemaker. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely go see it. What are you watching Ghost but, on? Uh, on demand. Oh, on demand on the on the TV. Yeah, I'm not streaming it or anything like that. So they have all the episodes uploaded already. So been watching that. I started wa- trying to watch the The Witcher. Um, I watched season one, but I'm trying to get through season two, and I feel like it's just been, I don't know. It, it's it's slow at times. It's very slow at times. So I feel like I gotta keep to. I want to finish it, but I really love the pe- love the series of Peacemaker. But Peacemaker aside, how about we talk about some pro wrestling here and start it off with some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Which opens up with Becky Lynch saying that she makes stars out of people and she makes them better. She beats them. And then Dewdrop came out. Becky Lynch told her to follow her lead and just listen to her for their tag match. And then Bianca Belair came out. She officially announced herself for the Royal Rumble. Spoke about winning it again. And then Liv Morgan came out to announce that she's in it as well. Obviously said that she'll win it. And then it almost led to a brawl. But we get to the match. And Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair pick up the victory over Dewdrop and Becky Lynch. Yeah. And, uh, what- or no. Um, Liv, Liv and Belair picked up the victory over Dude. No, Dewdrop. Dewdrop yeah, and Becky. Dewdrop and Becky Lynch won. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dewdrop picked up the victory with the splash, and then followed up the splash with hitting a a, a Dewdrop. I don't know. It's a bonsai drop to Becky Lynch. Yeah. Um. Does she have a name for it? I don't think so. All right. So I guess we'll call it either it's the do the Dewdrop or bonsai drop. But you get the point. Uh, devastating move. That but, was a, a very awkward match, though. It was, and I still don't get why Dewdrop and Becky Lynch are together in this after everything. Well, um, it's the whole coexist gimmick. They all, obviously, they're all four of them have been in a feud for the past few months, so. Yeah, I guess, but. I mean, they're, and they're, it's just really... a very unfortunate thing where Dewdrop, she broke up the pin and then went to pin herself, but she wasn't legal. So she had to drag Becky Lynch to the corner and tag herself in. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that was weird, but yeah. After yeah, that, we you. got the KO show with Seth Rollins as the guest, and they spoke about Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins spoke about how when he wins, he's going to be changing the color of the strap for the Universal Championship and staying on Monday Night Raw. And then Kevin Owens announced himself for the Royal Rumble and said that after he wins the Royal Rumble. He'd like a match with Seth Rollins and Seth seemed like, uh, he's like, I don't know about that. And then kind of got on board. Damien Priest came out and, uh, basically said that nobody believes that either of them are going to be winning. So I thought that was a nice, enjoyable segment there that led into Kevin Owens picking up the victory over Damien Priest, which, yeah. Very enjoyable match. I think they worked very well together here. I agree. I I thought that Damian Priest was going to actually pick up the victory, but it does make yeah, sense. I wasn't with... expecting Kevin Owens to win that at all. 
Yeah, but I mean, once again, Damian Priest did have, I believe, the best record uh, in the WWE last year. So, keeping it up. Yeah, and I actually no, he's I liked, not keeping it up. What am I talking about? He lost. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked in the match outside the ring when Kevin Owens caught Damian Priest with the super kick. Yeah, that was. And cool. then he goes up, hits the splash off the apron. We saw Damian Priest kick out of the pop up power bomb. Kevin Owens kicked out of a huge choke slam. And then ultimately he faked a leg injury and hit Damian Priest with that stunner to pick up the victory in a very, very well done match. Yeah. After this, we have the Alpha Academy's graduation ceremony, which right off the bat, I think it's weird to hear pomp and circumstance in wrestling without it being related to Macho Man. Okay. But this was, I think, a fun segment. I agree. I think that Alpha Academy is doing a great job. Uh, I mean, promo-wise, they don't have to be superb. They just have to be present. But they are. Yeah, but they're they're doing and they're doing great with it. You know? I think Chad Gable. It's like we have not really heard Chad Gable reach his full promo potential in WWE just yet, and he's I think really good on the mic. I, I, I just hope that they don't lose the titles uh, quickly. Yeah, but in this segment, Matt Riddle came out in his own cap and gown, which I thought was funny. And then Chad Gable challenged RK-Bro to an academic challenge for Monday Night Raw next week. And which got, I mean, Billy Madison was brought up on Monday <laughs> Night on Twitter because of that. Mm-hmm. And then Otis went out of the ring to get into Riddle's face and Randy Orton attacked Chad Gable from behind with an RKO. Otis went to go back into the ring and Riddle attacked him. And uh, overall, again, I thought this was a good segment. Yeah. I don't know if anybody disliked it on Twitter or whatnot, but I I thought this was really good. I totally agree with you. I think that it was very entertaining. Um, After that, we saw Austin Theory and Vince McMahon together where Vince wanted him to beat Finn Balor and then beat him up. And he said, if he doesn't, he's going to beat Austin Theory up himself. So it was kind of disappointing when Austin Theory picked up the victory over Finn Balor. Because <laughs> it would have been maybe funny if Vince McMahon beat up Austin Theory. I'm like but, getting really confused over this Vince. Even like I don't understand why uh, Vince McMahon is really involved at this rate. Um, well, we've seen Vince McMahon involved with superstars that he believes in perhaps like we saw early on in his WWE career he was Drew Drew McIntyre he was the chosen one yeah so maybe Vince McMahon sees Wrestlemania main event potential in Austin Theory yeah this match I thought started off a little slow though but it definitely picked up um and Austin Theory did continue the beatdown afterwards like Mr. McMahon asked him to. Yeah. After this, you had Nikki, A-S-H, and Rhea Ripley. The match never took place. I mean, before the match, you had the pre-match interviews. Uh, yeah, where Nikki, she blamed Rhea Ripley for their breakup. And then Queen Zelina and Carmella came out before and said that they predicted, well, more so Zelina predicted this breakup. I love Zelina doing that, uh, doing the accent. Yeah, I like that it goes from queen to queens. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. But she said that she doesn't have the guts to be champion on her own to Rhea Ripley. And then Nikki A.S.H. attacked Rhea Ripley. And that was that. That was the end of that segment. Yeah. Um, I don't. Not, yeah. I, I, I'm, I guess, happier that it wasn't a match. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Earlier in the night, we saw Dana Brooke and Reggie backstage where they sought out some advice from Edge and Beth Phoenix for Reggie's match later on. And then we saw Dana Brooke talking Reggie up while Akira Tozawa, R-Truth, who, by the way, just turned 50 this week, which is insane. Um, Tamina and a referee were all watching Dana Brooke hype Reggie up while they were eating popcorn. I thought that was funny. And then the actual match takes place and almost picks up the victory over Reggie and beforehand we saw the 24/7 folks run down and did you think it all maybe Reggie had like a a surprise victory here? I actually thought that almost was going to walk away as champion somehow. Hmm. I thought that he was going to walk away as the champion and I, it was going to be kind of like the um kind of like how with Dana Brooke right now with how she's kind she's pretty much untouchable. I feel like with Omos, if he's champion, he's going to be in that untouchable aspect as well, because there's nobody that could really do anything to him. Right. It would have to be like when we saw a hardcore championship change hands when someone was sleeping. Exactly. Or exactly. something like that. But yeah. when Reggie jumped off the, the top rope right into the choke slam, I thought right before he got the arm up, I was like, maybe we'll see some sort of upset here. But he got the choke slam, boom, one, two, three, that was it. Yeah. No nothing took place with that one. But next up we had Maurice and Beth Phoenix. Uh we finally got to see that reveal as to what was in Maurice's pocketbook from last week. Yeah, uh, but this this segment was set up. It was something that Maurice requested while Beth Phoenix and Edge were talking to Damian Priest. And Edge came out with Beth Phoenix because he didn't trust Maurice. And Maurice ends up wanting their Royal Rumble match canceled. She wants to be best friends instead. <laughs> and uh, Miz showed up as Beth Phoenix went to brawl with Ma- Maurice, which distracted Beth Phoenix. And... Maurice clocks her with that that purse again. And it ends up having a brick. Yeah. I mean last week when it happened, you didn't get the reveal. But you right. knew some you knew that it wasn't just a purse. It had to have been something a little bit more stiff. It could have so, been a cell phone where he had marking out or something like that, listening to it on Spotify. It could have. It could have been, but it was a brick. Yeah, and next week, Miz is throwing Maurice a birthday party, even though her birthday is literally, it was on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that's going to play into Maurice getting pissed off at Miz at all, but it could. It could. I could see that taking place. After that, we saw the Street Profits and the Mysterios pick up the victory over Apollo Crews, Commander Aziz, and the Dirty Dogs. Um, It was a it was a chaotic match, but it wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't bad, but I find it very difficult for me to get in into the matches like this one, like where it involves so many people. 
Right. But I like certain aspects. Like, I liked how fired up Angelo Dawkins got. I liked when Commander Aziz caught Dominic and Rey Mysterio ends up taking him down mm-hmm. with the, the move off the apron. I thought that was nice. Yeah. And honestly, the ending, the, it's always fantastic to see that frog splash from Montez Ford. Oh, yeah. It's it's a sick uh, sick move. Yeah. And then after the match, some we got some Royal Rumble tees here where the Mysterios dumped the Street Profits out of the ring. And then Rey Mysterio dumped Dominic out. Hey, it's part of the biz, kid. After that, we got another Alexa Bliss segment where the doctor, I guess, tried to say that Lily was imaginary. And it was a lot shorter than last week's thing that we got, and I don't think it was, like, good? I don't know. As good, perhaps? I don't know. One of the things, like, with this entire... uh, segment with everything that you were talking about with how you don't trust the uh, psychologist you know you were mentioning last week how you don't really trust the guy that it seems like weird and stuff it reminds me of i definitely see what you're saying it reminds me of a video game called until dawn have you heard or seen this game i've heard of it i don't know what it is though so it's a game that like i mean i was watching people play it uh um I was watching like Let's Play on YouTube for it when it first came out. And until dawn, it has that kind of a thing where you sit down as your character, you sit down with the psychologist and he asks you a few questions. And then based on how you respond, that's how the storyline progresses, which is really cool. And it's kind of like the same vibe that that psychologist in the video game gave in the game. Reminds me of the one that's treating, uh, Alexa Bliss right now. I wonder, though, where if the doctor is trying to convince Alexa Bliss that Lily doesn't exist, I wonder if we'll end up seeing a physical form of Lily come. It could. Finally. Huh. That would... I don't know. That would be interesting. Main event of the evening saw Bobby Lashley pick up the victory over Seth Rollins via disqualification. They aired a really good video package for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley earlier on. Basically showing the parallels of what I mapped out last week. Uh-huh. Where it was Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, athletes, wrestlers, WWE, um, Mixed martial arts back to WWE. People were like, how dare they leave out TNA? And it's like, brother, they left out Brock, New Japan, and and football as well. They were just clearly going (laughs) the exact parallels of the careers. Yeah. They weren't mentioning Brock going to do wrestling again. They didn't mention Bobby Lashley going to do other wrestling. No. They mentioned amateur wrestling, WWE, MMA, WWE. Yeah, it's clear cut, but I thought it was really good. I agree with you. I I was a fan of it, and I even like the end. I like the end with everything. I like, yeah, you know, honestly, I I don't think Lashley or Seth Rollins should have lost this match. So, so it's like, I I'm fine with the ending with with Seth Rollins, I guess, taking that loss there via disqualification. Yeah, because the hurt business showed up and they took Lashley out. Yeah, and or, then well, I mean, tried to at least. Yeah, and Seth Rollins, you thought he was going to get off clean, and 
he got caught with a double super kick by the Usos. Yeah. You know, so I thought it was a a good way to win uh to end Raw, especially how uh Seth Rollins has been able to avoid the Usos, especially on yeah. SmackDown last week, you know? Yeah, and it's just unfortunate that next week they have a weigh-in segment with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. Oh, no. I just... Yeah. It's meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Monday Night Raw. Moving over to NXT. Before we even talk about the show, they now have a lot more people there, which is crazy. The barricade comes almost to the ring. And the ropes are now blue. That threw me for a, a, quite some time. <laughs> Because to me, when I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a minute. I just realized the ropes are blue. And it reminded me of, like, TNA, Impact, when they had the blue ropes. But first up, we saw LA Knight arrive to the arena, the performance center, looking for Grayson Waller. And Waller shows up with a restraining order. And LA Knight said that there's no restraining order against this guy, which Loomis pops up. And Loomis shows up behind him, goes to lock him in silence, and L.A. Knight said either drop the restraining order or get beat up by Loomis. Waller ends up defeating Dexter Loomis because behind the referee's back, Sir Gurjar shows up and attacks Dexter Loomis. I was happy. We have not seen him in months. No, and I'm happy to see him uh, return. Yeah, he showed up before Veer did. Now that's got to make you wonder. You know? I don't know what they're doing with Veer. It from what I was reading, we did get they, another one of those segments on Bra. Yeah, but from what I was reading, it seems like they don't even know what to do with him, which is unfortunate. I mean, that's the yeah. one thing I don't like about WWE is that they they promote and hype up things when they don't know where it's headed just for the sake of hyping it up you know like this isn't the first time that they've done something like that right so that's just annoying after that we saw the creed brothers pick up the victory over briggs and jensen to advance in the dusty classic um this was predictable i think with the creed yeah brothers but briggs and-, and jensen definitely did a lot more against the creeds than i expected them to really a hundred percent why? What kind of a match did you? I mean, I'm I'm a, I thought I'm it guess... was going to be completely like more so one sided for the Creeds. Not squash though. No, but it, I think I think Briggs and Jensen got in a lot more than huh than I expected. So all right, but in the end, it was a blind tag that helped them. The Creeds pick up that victory, and I thought the ending was great. That suplex into the burning hammer drop or whatever you want to describe it as, I thought that was great. Yeah, it was that was a really uh, cool moment. And then later on, Briggs and Jensen were talking about losing their match, and Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro told them to just forget about the, the loss and come party with them. And then Wendy Chu was up on top of the locker sleeping and did the whole ooh gimmick, which <laughs> I popped for. <laughs> and then... Uh, Jensen got all flustered and like tried to deny that he was having feelings for Caden uh, Carter. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. Then they aired a video package for Dante Chen, who has been out with a leg injury. And he mentioned how 
His father has been his biggest supporter and unfortunately lost him a few months ago. So his father did get to see him debut in pro wrestling, but he didn't get to see him, um, I guess, blow up in uh-huh. professional wrestling. So he's just here to, to honor his father. And Dante Chen goes on to defeat Guru Raj via disqualification. I like that it started out with like good sportsmanship between the two of them. But Duke Hudson cut this match off almost right away. He returned and attacked both of them. So maybe it was just a no contest. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. But no. Duke Hudson's back. Uh, after that, Braun Breaker addressed the Santos Escobar stare down from last week. And Electra Lopez and Santos Escobar cut him off. And Santos said that he's not ready to carry NXT. So that's going to lead to a match between the two of them for sure. I would be interested in this sort of a matchup. Yeah. Uh, After that, we had a Pete Dunn memorial service hosted by Tony D'Angelo. I liked this segment a lot. I thought that it was really funny. And um, I I popped for Pete Dunn's uh, picture that they used too. Yeah, and it, it uh, the outcome of this, Tony D'Angelo wants gold. He wants the North American Championship. This brings out Trick and, and Carmelo Hayes. They had some good back and forth between the, the three of them. And then Cameron Grimes came out because he hadn't heard back from Carmelo. He, he also wants the North American Championship. And Carmelo was like, you and Tony could face each other to see who will be the next challenger. Mm-hmm. And Tony ends up trying to attack, but... That that Pete Dunn picture got smashed over his head by by Cameron Grimes. I thought that was fun. I thought it was a uh, pretty fun too. But next up, you had Ivy Nile pick up the victory over Kaylee Ray. I'm gonna let you say that. Kaylee Ray. There you go. That's better. <laughs> this was, I think, uh, certainly a test for Ivy Nile. Oh yeah. And definitely able to hang here. I agree. But Mandy Rose came out to distract Kaylee Ray. So she let Ivy Nile out of the KLR bomb, which I didn't quite get. And then went for it again, but got rolled up. So I wasn't a fan of that ending. I could understand that. But Mandy Rose attacked her afterwards and Toxic Attraction joined in. Only to have Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell make the save. So we'll probably get some sort of six-woman tag there. Yeah, for sure. Next up, you had Harland attack Odyssey Jones backstage. Uh, Totally like Odyssey Jones, we saw him with his knee injury. And Harland just beat him up. Yeah. He beat him up. Which, I mean... It's unfortunate that he's injured. Hopefully it's not uh hopefully he's not out for a long time. Yeah. Cuz he was like hot for a minute and then kind of sizzled out. Yeah. I agree. After that, we got a Saray video package where she after her loss, she flew back to Japan and ends up finding a necklace from her grandmother who helped her now remember who she is and where she's from. So she'll be back soon. Uh, a really different look here. 
versus Soraya. And a lot of people are saying Japanese schoolgirl. Um, some people are comparing it to Sailor Moon characters, I guess, because the amulet. Yeah, that stuff. That's what I started thinking because of the amulet and everything was like Sailor Moonish. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't like judge it fully yet because yeah. we we don't know what the like I don't know if her like wrestling style is going to change or or how much of a different gimmick she's going to be having here. Yeah, but she has longer hair now. She got those Harry Potter glasses. It's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After that, though, we saw Idris Sanofi and Malik Blade pick up the victory over Legato del Fantasma to advance in the Dusty Classic. We saw Santos Escobar trip Malik and right in front of the referee. The ref didn't DQ him. I didn't get that at all. The referee let it continue. Gotta the referees gotta step it up. They're in WWE, uh, NXT, not AEW. And uh, <laughs> Santos Escobar ends up getting up on the apron. Braun Breaker ran down to stop him from getting involved, and Malik Blade got a quick pin to to win that match. But regardless, it should have been a DQ. I just I didn't understand that at all. But I'm happy that Malik Blade and, and Idris Anofi advanced because I have them in my bracket to make it to the finals. Okay. And then later on they celebrated with Braun Breaker and he wished them luck, so it's uh it's cool. Yeah. After that, Solo Sokoa, we saw him talking about what happened with Boa last week and he brought up the the what what do you call it? Not a demon or whatever you have Boa, the, the history, the ancestry history for yeah, whatever's stuck in Boa. The character. Yeah, and yeah. Solo's like, I can call on my bloodline too, which I, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, that line. was that popped me. And then he's basically saying next week they're going to war. His whole face, his half of face is uh is burned up from the fireball. Which is which is cool, like the carryover and everything. Right, yeah. You know, especially based off of last week. Yeah. Um, but early in the night, we saw Ulyssa Leone and Valentina Faraz have a video package basically saying they're from different countries and have different backgrounds, but they both have the same goal, so they hope to win the Dusty Cup. And then this or to led- be in the Dusty Cup. Yeah, and then Dakota Kai coming out, coming cutting them off pretty much, and... Yeah, saying the same line that she said to MSK. Yeah. So she's kind of like maybe losing it a little bit. But Dakota Kai ends up defeating Ulyssa Leon. And I've been saying a few weeks now how I'm a fan of Leon here. Uh-huh. And like she she has that, that bridging fallaway slam that she did here I thought was nice. I did not think she was winning this match. But I still enjoyed this. Yeah. And Dakota Kai ends up attacking Faraz afterwards. Leon pulls out before she could get hit with the, the KO kick. So whether or not we'll see that team in the Dusty Classic, we don't know. Whether or not we see Dakota Kai in the, the Dusty Classic, we have no idea. No, I could see, I don't know, I could see her doing it. It would have been really nice if we saw Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox this year, but... Yeah, about that. 
Raquel Gonzalez was interviewed afterwards, and uh, she said that she's still coming for Mandy Rose. And Cora Jade asked her to be her partner for the Dusty Classic. Tried to hype her up. You could be like, you could be back-to-back Dusty Cup champions. And she's like, I, don't get in my way. Oh. And she turns her down, and, and Cora Jade's like, no, I'll, I'll convince her. Time will tell. Whether or not that's that happens, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Main event saw Walter pick up the victory over Roderick Strong. I wish this match was longer. And uh, I thought it was really good. But it's just like, it's crazy because it's, it's such a different match from the one we saw with Nathan Fraser last week in, in Walter's last stand or whatever. Uh-huh. And Roderick Strong was just the Cruiserweight champion, but he's not wrestling like the typical Cruiserweight style here. No, not at all. And I don't think he ever has. So I thought this was a really good match. Afterwards, though, Walter announces himself as the winner, uh, calls himself Gunter. Imperium ends up attacking Roderick Strong. The Creed brothers jump in and they all brawl to end NXT. Yeah, and uh, I mean, not many people are happy with Gunter. That's to say the least. Right. That, yeah, people, they Googled it. it. WWE trademarked a name which turned out to be a Nazi U boat captain. And that trended for. Uh, uh, quite a while on Twitter. I feel like as WWE, you would actually have the the common sense to Google. I don't think anybody Googles anything in professional wrestling. Like, Google the name of your wrestler. Google the name of your finisher. Google the name of... Start to Google the name of your pay-per-view and see what comes up first. That's the uh, <laughs> one of the very first things I said when my brother... <laughs> And sister-in-law told me they were having a kid. I was like, you got to Google names to make sure it's not like a pornographic actress. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so they, that whole thing happened. WWE apparently abandoned the the trademark for the whole name, and they're they're continuing with Gunter. Yeah. Kyle O'Reilly had a tweet from two years ago, three years ago now, calling Walter Gunter. So... I don't know what the deal is with that, but I don't know how Walter is the longest reigning champion in the modern era. I don't know why you'd want to change it. Yeah. I mean, Walter, I mean, why, why are we starting to change these names? We didn't change. We didn't change. um, I don't know. I can't even think right now. There's so many wrestlers that we didn't change the name of. Why are we going to change Walter? Yeah, I don't know. Adam Cole, for example. You didn't change Adam Cole's name. Um, and I, I don't get it. Why the sudden change? You could have even named Roderick Strong. Yeah, I know. There's so many places I could have went with that one. <laughs> it's 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 bizarre. I don't like the name change. Um, there's nothing we can do, though. So Yeah. Uh, but that's NXT moving over to NXT UK. Pretty deadly. Ends up picking up the victory over Sam Gradwell and Saxon Huxley. This spans from Gradwell looking everywhere for a partner. And then at the last minute, Huxley showed up. But Eddie Dennis showed up during the match and attacked 
Huxley behind the referee's back, and Gradwell didn't have anybody to tag, so Pretty Deadly got the victory there. After that, we saw Isla Dawn pick up the victory over Amelia McKenzie, and it seemed like McKenzie had this match won, but Isla Dawn ends up moving out of the way of a crossbody and hit her finisher to pick up the victory, and then returned Amelia McKenzie's watch, which she took a few months ago to do some sort of witchcraft on. And ultimately, the main event of NXT UK this past week was Noam Dar versus A-Kid for the NXT UK Heritage Cup, but it ended in a draw. And I don't think we've ever seen that for that that cup before. And I was surprised because this went two rounds without a pin or submission. But Noam Dar finally gets one in the third, uh, the third round. Shaw Samuels ends up getting involved in the fourth round, and A-Kid's able to evade him, all while doing a huge move to Noam Dar, which I thought was pretty cool. But that led to the series being tied up. And the time ran out in round five, just as A-Kid could have won. And Shaw Samuels gets involved again. A-Kid dives onto him. Round six, you see A-Kid ultimately just couldn't make Noam Dar tap out just as the time ran out. So it, it was a draw and Noam Dar retains the NXT UK Heritage Cup. This was a fantastic match. But that's NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. It opens up with the Usos hyping up Roman Reigns being the longest reigning Universal Champion. And they introduce him, they bring him out. They aired a video package about Roman Reigns' journey to being the longest reigning champion. And then Seth Rollins came out and brought up what happened on Monday Night Raw with the Usos. He maybe mockingly celebrates the Usos' title reign. And he brought up how John Moxley and him were the pedestals for Roman Reigns. Just like the Usos are now the pedestals for Roman Reigns. They're holding him up. And uh, I thought that was cool that they mentioned he mentioned Mo- John Moxley as John Moxley instead of Ambrose. <laughs> but uh, Seth Rollins proposes a tag team match for the main event where if he and a partner of his choosing wins, the Usos will be barred from ringside at the Royal Rumble. And then Kevin Owens came out and they hugged and Roman Reigns is like, let's up the ante. And said that if Seth Rollins loses the match... He'll lose his match at the PLE, the Royal Rumble, and Seth Rollins accepted. First match of the evening saw Kofi Kingston pick up the victory over Madcap Moss. This was a rematch from last week where everyone complained, even though it made no sense to me because Madcap Moss, in my eyes, cheated. But Big E ends up being there ringside for Kofi Kingston. In the match, I liked when Kofi ends up jumping over the steel steps and then jumping over the steel steps or off the steel steps and over Corbin to hit Madcap Moss. I thought this was a fun match. And Corbin ends up getting into the ring afterwards, as did Biggie. And then Happy Corbin backs off and Madcap Moss got hit with the, the big ending. After that, Aaliyah picked up the victory over Natalia via disqualification. Because Natty didn't listen to the referee. But uh, the bigger thing, maybe for me at least, that took place during this segment was that Summer Ray was ringside for this. And uh, they announced her as a legend, which I don't know 
if that can really be said. I don't think she was given the opportunity to become a legend in WWE, uh, which is very unfortunate. I say this all the time whenever it gets brought up. Dave and I were always such huge supporters of Summer Rae, so I'm definitely happy to see that she'll be in the Raw Rumble, and it was cool to see her ringside. Uh, the match, I liked the the Hurricane Rana spot that Aaliyah did from the top rope. I thought that was nice. But after the match, Natalia continued the attack and Zia Lee making the save. It's about time she showed up again. She showed up, I think, at the beginning of this year, maybe, and then disappeared. We hadn't seen her since. So it was good to see her back again. Uh, hopefully she gets used in a match or something soon. After that, Viking Raiders picked up the victory over Los Lotharios. Um, I wish this match was longer. I like the World's Strongest Slam slash Powerbomb spot that Eric did. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, that's. I guess they're still going to be the number one contenders so far. After that, Charlotte Flair picked up the victory over Naomi. Last week... I thought this was going to be a championship match, but it turned out it was just a contenders match. And then Sonya Deville came out to be the guest referee for this. In the match, Naomi ends up bumping Charlotte into Sonya Deville and then went for a pin on Charlotte. So Sonya didn't count it. And then Charlotte takes advantage of Naomi and locks her in the figure four. And as soon as she locked her in the figure four, Sonya Deville called for the bell. Right away. I don't really get what's going on here other than maybe it's going to finally lead to a match at the Royal Rumble. Or it'll lead to a match at WrestleMania. But later on, Eric Bischoff was backstage, which was cool, with Adam Pearce. And Sonya showed up and Adam Pearce suggested to management that Sonya Deville and Naomi have a one-on-one match at SmackDown next week. Do I necessarily think that match will take place? Not necessarily, but we shall see. After that, we had an insane segment where Sami Zayn was testing self-defense weapons on himself to prove that anything Johnny Knoxville can do, he can do it as well. And he used some sort of shock gimmick where they had a sound clip play, which was very obvious, and then Johnny Knoxville showed up and said that Something seemed off and he pointed out that the device wasn't on. And then he turned it on and hit Sami Zayn with it and ends up dumping Sami Zayn out of the ring over the top rope. <laughs> but that uh, that weapon was clearly also sound effects. I just thought that was kind of funny. But uh, stupid, very stupid at the same time. After that, Sheamus picked up the victory over Ricochet. Ridge Holland was back at ringside with Sheamus. I like that Sheamus has been saying that if he were to win the Raw Rumble this year, he'd maybe challenge for the Intercontinental Championship, given that he's never won it, instead of challenging for the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship. I think that, although it might go overlooked by a bunch of people and they might not have heard Sheamus say that I think that really builds up the Intercontinental Championship as being like a really big title for Sheamus to say I don't want those two titles I want the IC belt title championship brother 
Um, but as far as the match goes, Sheamus ends up catching Ricochet with a huge knee to the face when Ricochet went for a suicide dive and then smacked him in the face with the bro kick to win. I thought maybe the match was a bit too short, but what else? What are you going to do here? After that, backstage, very random. A bunch of celebrities out this week for SmackDown. Kid Rock was there. Eric Bischoff, like I mentioned. Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura walking backstage. And J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Jeff Jarrett, shows up. Just a quick backstage segment between the three of them. Pop me. Double J is going to be at uh, Hammerstein this weekend. I thought that was pretty cool. And then finally the main event, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens picked up the victory over the Usos via disqualification. Um, Pat McAfee name dropped John Moxley during this match. So that's twice on this episode. As far as the match goes, I wish it was longer. The fans were super into it, though. They sang Seth Rollins' theme song throughout it. They were in Music City, so is that to be expected? Maybe, I don't know. But Kevin Owens used the Fisherman Buster. I thought that was nice. The The sequence with the stunner from Kevin Owens to one of the Usos and then Seth Rollins, or then one of the Usos hitting him with a, a super kick and then Seth Rollins super kicking one of the Usos. I thought that was really nice. But Roman Reigns ends up coming out right before Seth Rollins was about to win and attack Seth Rollins. So the Usos are banned from ringside at the Raw Rumble. I just, I don't know why. Couldn't they let the the Usos just lose and have Seth Rollins get one up over there? I don't know. But that's SmackDown. We're going to take a quick break right now and hear a word from our sponsors. And we'll be right back here. I'm marking out. Support for marking out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium. I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 572. Remember to head over to manscaped.com, use the code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Going to move over to last week's AEW Rampage. The opening contest, Adam Cole picked up the victory over Trent. Uh, I think this match should have been a bigger match than what it was made out to be. Uh, I certainly enjoyed a majority of it. There were some... Uh, the, to me, there were too many people ringside for this. They all brawled towards the end. And the referee took so much out of this match. He was like moving and selling the moves that it was just like too much. After that, we saw Sean Spears pick up the victory over Andrew Everett. And Andrew Everett being there was certainly a nice surprise and I was hoping for an actual match, and it seemed like we were about to get that, but then it was over. Like, <laughs> like Everett got a few reversals in, but Sean Spears ends up hitting that Death Valley driver, picks up the victory. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing, but maybe there's hope we'll get more Andrew Everett matches on TV. Uh, afterwards, Sean Spears spoke about CM Punk, and I enjoyed his promo. It definitely wasn't believable given like character wise, given where Sean Spears is, like he's not built up or anything. But I really, really liked his promo. I thought it was really good. After that, the acclaimed had a diss track for Sting and Darby Allen, which was the best unexpected thing from Rampage. Maybe the best unexpected thing from AEW last week. Stang was there, which I popped big time for. So I appreciated that that diss track video that they aired. After that, Nyla Rose, The Bunny, and Penelope Ford picked up the victory over Chris Statlander, Red Velvet, and Layla Hirsch. This match, to me, like, first of all, it just randomly started as soon as the diss track was over. There was no entrances or anything. I thought that was weird. I feel like Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch, and Chris Statlander was a very thrown-together team, and I don't know if they've tagged up beforehand on TV. Based off my memory, I don't recall that, and it seemed like they were this ultimate trios tag team. But Layla Hirsch ends up tagging herself in to start the match, which is a big thing throughout this match. Vicky Guerrero ended up distracting the referee, which allowed the bunny to cheat. Chris Statlander recovered from that. And then her and Layla Hirsch end up arguing. The bunny ends up pushing Layla Hirsch into Chris Statlander. And then the bunny just hits like a normal pin on Layla Hirsch to pick up the victory, which didn't make any sense to me. But I am a big fan of this heel turn, and I'm I'm wanting more and more of it. And we did get more of it on Dynamite, which I'll get to. 
Uh, after that, though, we saw Jay Lethal come out and talk to Ricky Starks, and he put himself into the, the Team Taz and Dante Martin feud, saying that there's no challengers for the FTW Championship. It's not recognized by AEW as being such, but it means the world to Ricky Starks, so he wants the title. And Ricky Starks, I popped that he was wearing a Garth Brooks shirt. This Jay Lethal was not on Dynamite this week, which I thought was weird. Main event saw Jurassic Express pick up the victory over the Beaver Boys to retain the AEW Championship, Tag Team Championships, and I guess Dark Order. But this was definitely the best match on Rampage. Best match from last week, in my opinion, and I wish it was longer. The... The Tower of Doom spot, I thought, was a bit goofy. And, I mean, it looked really, it could have been dangerous. But I liked the spot, nonetheless. And, obviously, I would have liked it if the Dark Order won the tag team titles. But, no way did I think they were actually going to be winning the tag team titles on Rampage. But, overall, I I really enjoyed this match. Moving over to AEW Dynamite, John Moxley made his return. It was announced a few weeks ago, or maybe last week, that John Moxley will be making his in-ring return at GCW's Hammerstein show. That's this weekend. So, I thought that was weird. It took like the oomph out of him actually showing up to AEW, but he then was announced for Dynamite this week. And he spoke about his demons and said that he's even more dangerous now and I'm just happy that he's he went to get help he's healthy and he looks a lot better now too so and he dropped AEW's first F-bomb which was definitely unexpected uh later on though Ethan Page said that he's up for the task to face John Moxley so Ethan Page is probably going to get killed next week First match on Dynamite, we saw Adam Cole and Britt Baker pick up the victory over Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. I don't know why I thought this was going to be an intergender tag team match, but Jim Ross explained the rules, said it was a um, a mixed tag match. And as soon as Jim Ross was done explaining the rules, Orange Cassidy immediately kicks Chris Statlander. The referee also, at one point, stopped counting when Orange Cassidy was in the ring because if he kept counting, Cassidy would have been DQ'd and there was no way that was going to happen. Britt Baker, Adam Cole set up a table ringside. Cassidy accidentally bumps Britt Baker off of the apron and she goes through the table. And then Adam Cole behind the referee was able to low blow Orange Cassidy, hit the last shot, pick up the victory for the team, I thought there was going to be some sort of shenanigans where it like uh, ends up with Britt Baker getting a quick pin over, uh, or Chris Statlander would get a quick pin over Britt Baker, kind of like embarrassing them. But that didn't happen. I had super high hopes for this match. It just, I, I couldn't get fully invested in this. There were some good spots, but with Jim Ross explaining the rules multiple times only to have them almost immediately break the rules. I think it was twice that happened. It was just all over the place for me. But Adam Cole ends up challenging Orange Cassidy to an anything goes, no DQ, 
lights out match for beach break next week in Ohio. So whether or not that's the main event, I have no idea. But later on, Chris Statlander and Red Velvet were about to be interviewed. Layla Hirsch cut it off and blamed her for their loss on Rampage. Red Velvet tried to calm her down. Layla Hirsch ends up decking her. And then she went after Chris Statlander. Referees broke it up. Like I said before, I'm very happy with this where this character for Layla Hirsch is going. Because... I'm a big fan of Layla Hirsch, so we get to see more of her. Earlier in the night, MJF apologized to Wardlow for losing his cool last week, but he also docked Wardlow's pay because Wardlow did put his hands on MJF. And that basically sets up later on in the night. CM Punk picking up the victory over Sean Spears. CM Punk got in the ring. Hit the the GTS, maybe a six-second match. MJF was on commentary, or he was supposed to be on commentary. Couldn't get any words out. It was a six-second match. So afterwards, he snuck up behind CM Punk. Punk turns around. MJF tried to run. CM Punk grabs his scarf, and MJF was able to, to wiggle out of that. So he didn't get his hands on him. I thought for sure this match would have taken place at beach break. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And uh, I thought it was, I don't know, it's kind of funny. Sean Spears beat Andrew Everett pretty quickly. And then CM Punk goes ahead and does the same thing to Sean Spears. So that doesn't build up Sean Spears at all. You knew CM Punk was winning. After that, backstage, Billy Gunn had the camera crew with him. And when Christian showed up, he told... Christian that the gun club deserved to have a tag team title shot and Christian told him to make a statement and then they'd talk so the gun club ends up jumping Christian that I don't know if that's a rampage match coming up or what but the gun club will probably be taking on Jurassic Express for the tag team titles and I like that Jurassic Express should be defending the titles After that, Cody Rhodes made his long-awaited return after a week or so being out. And he pulled the ladder out from under the ring, spoke about CM Punk's pipe bomb promo, and he claimed that he did everything that CM Punk spoke about in that promo. And he spoke about a bunch of people, but ultimately this sets up a ladder match for the... TNT Championship versus the Interim TNT Championship, which is held by Sammy Guevara. Literally makes no sense that Sammy Guevara even had that title. He was gone for literally a week and a half, perhaps. Maybe not even a week and a half. Guevara won it at the Battle of the Belts, defended it on Dynamite, and then Cody Rhodes returned the week after. How that makes any sense, I have no idea. But it sets up that ladder match for Beach Break. There was just no reason for Sammy to win that title. And I thought for sure we were going to hear some sort of like Cody teases what's going to happen with his contract because the news came out this week that apparently he's working AEW without a contract. And then it comes out that he doesn't have an EVP contract either, which I don't understand 
how can you be an EVP of a company without having an EVP contract? I, I don't know how that works. We hear stories like Triple H and Stephanie would have performer contracts and then executive contracts. So that's what I thought the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody would have. But maybe, I don't know, maybe Cody doesn't have that. But I don't see Cody Rhodes going anywhere except for AEW right now. Um, After that backstage, they spoke about how Jade Cargill had issued an open challenge for the TBS championship. And Anna Jay accepted, so that match will take place eventually where Anna Jay gets beat up by Jade Cargill. After that, the House of Black picked up the victory over Varsity Blondes. The Blondes, at the start of the match, argued with each other. And it kind of led to the whole end of the match. It was over somewhat quickly. Maybe rightfully so. But should there have been two squash matches in a row? I don't think so. Afterwards, we got a promo from Pac where I thought we were going to see Pac eventually join the House of Black. But he takes off his his eye wrap. He's no longer blind. I wanted to see Pac wrestle blindfolded. I thought he'd be like the perfect candidate to do that, but... I guess he'll be feuding now with the House of Black. After that, Lance Archer picked up the victory over Kazarian. This is like, to me, there's no chance in hell that Kazarian was winning this. And I I don't even know what I could say about this match. It was just, to me, a pointless match. I know we were supposed to see Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson versus FTR which was set up last week, that no mention of that at all here. That was completely scrapped, and this was added, I think, last minute. But Archer ends up going to chokeslam Kazarian onto a chair on the ramp afterwards, but Adam Page comes out, makes the save, goes face-to-face with him, and they end up brawling. And Hangman Adam Page comes out on top, and this is a match that I'm looking forward to. I don't think Lance Archer is going to end up walking out as AEW champion, but I think that'll definitely help build up Adam Page's title reign. After that, Matt Seidel was backstage with Lee Moriarty and Dante Martin. Dante Martin basically just said that he has their backs against Team Taz. And then Ricky Stark said that nobody is his friend, so he better watch his back or whatever, and Hobbs warned him to watch the back, front, side, side. What the hell happened to Leo Rush? I have no idea. After that, we saw Serena D pick up the victory over Sky Blue. Hikaru Shida's out of action because of what Serena did to Shida the other week. So Sky, I guess, is stepping up to defend Shida's honor. I think Hikaru Shida flew back to Japan. But just like the House of Black versus Varsity Blondes and just like CM Punk versus Sean Spears, you knew who was winning this. And most of the time, I don't think any of the people got moves in. That's three squash matches on the same card. Two in a row. Maybe you could even say Kazarian versus Archer was close to that. It wasn't a squash match, but it was close to like, there's no way in hell Kazarian was winning that. 
After that backstage, Matt Hardy made the announcement that he signed over 51% of the HFO to Andrade. And Matt will be the CEO, Andrade will be the president, and they'll now go as the AHFO, the AFO. And maybe this will lead to eventually seeing Los and Gobernables. I have no idea. A lot of people were pissed off about this Andrade thing. It's not the best case scenario for Andrade here, but I don't think it's like the absolute worst. Because again, maybe it does lead to some sort of Los and Gobernables. Maybe. Made event saw Sting and Darby Allen pick up the victory over the acclaimed, obviously. The acclaimed used Stang again, which I popped for in the, a parody of Darby Allen's entrance. But they end up taking Darby Allen out of the match beforehand. They wrapped a chair around his neck, threw him into the, the turnbuckle or the ring post, I mean. And Sting had to go at it by himself. You had to know this was going to go the way it was going. Sting ends up eating the turnbuckle at one point. Obviously, he's made he's able to overcome that. Darby Allen makes his return, his big return to the the ringside area. Uh, Sting was in the match. You knew who was winning. Sting was doing some crazy bumps, dove off the the entrance ramp onto uh, through a table. Still pretty crazy to see Sting, but. I would like, it's like CM Punk, you know who's winning. But that is AEW Dynamite. I'm going to bring Chris What, did you do like five minutes of it? Yeah, this happened, it sucked, this happened, this sucked. Let's talk about NXT UK for 45 minutes. It's, no, NXT UK is not 45 minutes. But I was going to say, I'm going to bring Chris on. Here's Chris. Chris, how you doing? (laughs) I have requested this time on the podcast this week because he wasn't going to talk about it. The biggest event... In independent wrestling, this is the biggest independent wrestling show since All In, the original All In, not All Out, not All Out 2, Electric Boogaloo. This weekend, a independent wrestling promotion is running a sold-out Hammerstein Ballroom, and that is Game Changer Wrestling, the world, on GCW. Um, It's sold out. Will every seat be taken up? No, because I have tickets, and I'm not going, and I can't resell them on Ticketmaster because Brett Lauderdale wants all of my money. Um, If you want them, if it's Saturday and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, gee, I want to go to GCW, but it's sold out, hit us up on social media. We'll work something out. I'm trying to sell them for face value. Um, But, you know, if we need to go a little under, brother, you know, I could do that too. But anyway, the world on GCW at the sold-out Hammerstein Ballroom – it, this is wild. This is a big thing for independent wrestling, for a company to do this, and especially the amount of um, notoriety that GCW has gotten this year um, has been outstanding. And it, it kind of, well, last year, you could say, and it's kind of come to fruition and come to this big payoff now at Hammerstein Ballroom on the 23rd. Um, but they're kind of making a weekend out of it, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Because the the night before, they have the first ever Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame. And some notable names in there. Jerry Lynn's being inducted by Sean Waltman, the 123 Kid. Um, you're going to have Dave Prezak, who has kind of 
come back into independent wrestling over the past year and has come back in with GCW. He's done a lot of great announcing for them. He's getting announced. He's getting inducted by CM Punk, who is a, a, a longtime close friend of his. I, I'm I'm pretty sure if I if I'm not mistaken. My question here is: CM Punk just going to have like a, a a videotaped like introduction? Is he going to be there? Yeah, that's interesting. If he, I mean, he probably hadn't been to the Hammerstein Ballroom since ECW. I I think that's the last time uh, wrestling was at there. I mean, like I know Impact ran at the Manhattan Center, but that's upstairs. You know, this is ROH would have run Hammerstein though. Yeah, I think ROH was the last independent wrestling promotion, and then right. also and then the ECW One Night Stand shows that were there, which were fantastic. And I mean, they, they ran WWE ran live events there too after for the ECW brand. Yes, but let's let's continue with the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, Homicide is being inducted by Chris Dickinson. You're gonna have Lefisto being inducted by Lenny Leonard. Tracy Smothers is gonna be inducted by somebody, and Ruckus is gonna be inducted by Sanjay Dutt. And this is gonna be live on Saturday the 22nd. So if you're listening to this Saturday morning, get on Fight TV or YouTube, and you can watch the whole thing for free on demand. Really That's great. Cool. That is very cool. And then let's let's shift over to Sunday because as we talked about it live, Hammerstein Ballroom, um, you get a Paps Blue Ribbon pre-show, which you get two matches. You're gonna have uh, the pre-show six-way scramble match. It wouldn't be a GCW show if you didn't have a six-way scramble match on there. You have Grim Reefer, Alex Zane, Dante Leon, Nick Wayne, Jack Cartwheel, and Ninja Max. So it's gonna be high spots galore here. I this is a great way to start up a show. Um you also have a pre-show battle royal. Uh, no names really announced in it, but like, there's so many guys like Psycho Clown. You were pretty stoked about was announced for this show, and there's guys left and right. I wasn't expecting to see Psycho Clown announced. Yeah, Psycho Clown. I think Too Hot Steve Scott was announced for the show also. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that, it, it's kind of following the the WrestleMania esque vibe, where the pre-show always had some big battle royal in it. Yeah. So, it's I funny, think... the, the last time Psycho Clown was over there, he was at the theater at Madison Square Garden for that AAA show. Oh, you went and, to that, right? Yeah, and as soon as the event ended, he literally went from inside the building to the streets of Manhattan with a huge crowd around him. And it's like, can you imagine <laughs> walking by the garden and seeing Psycho Clown in full gear? I've seen a lot of weirder things in Manhattan there, brother. <laughs> So um, next up, I mean, to start the show, the show is just stacked. You're going to you have a six man. So you get a scramble on the pre-show and then you get another six man. This time a ladder match to grab the brass ring, which I just think is silly. But anyway, you got PCO, Alex Cologne, Tony Deppin, Leo Rush, Jimmy Lloyd and Jordan Oliver in there. Um, it's going to be interesting because I know and it's been discussed a lot how the New York State Athletic Commission is very anti-deathmatch wrestling. So it's going to yeah. be cool to see Alex Cologne because Alex Cologne, like, you know, for people that don't pay attention, like now he's the, the, the blood fighter. He's the three-peat and NGI champion. He used to be one of those high-flying guys back in, like, the CCW days. Him, Rich Swan, Shane Strickland. So it's going to be cool to see him go back to this style of wrestling. But he does this stuff anyway when it comes to deathmatch wrestling. So it's just without the, the light tubes and the gusset plates and all that stuff. Um, Tony Deppin, a guy that I'm a big fan of. I would love to see him grab the brass ring and win this. Um, but ultimately, I think Jimmy Lloyd, they might give it to Jimmy Lloyd. 
You get a title shot out of this, right? I think so. But, like, who the world champion right now is Moxley. So Alex Cologne might be a good bet to win this thing. I mean, Moxley and PCO could go battle each other. But I don't see uh, that happening. But from rumors, I've been seeing that allegedly PCO has signed with Impact. Yeah, he was so on. He was, last yeah, night. well, that's the whole Ring of Honor, uh, you know, running thing, which I think is cool. Um, two women that uh, one is you know a AEW wrestler and Ruby Soho will be facing off against Ally Catch. I thought their promo videos. I liked the one that Ally Catch did, kind of mimicking that Ruby Soho uh, pr- vignette. Yeah, the destination that? unknown. Yes, and Ali kind of like mimicked the entire thing. I thought it was very cool. Um, you have the singles match, a blood feud, as Matt Cardona with Chelsea Green will be facing off against Joey Janela in what is a very early 90s Ric Flair, Macho Man-esque feud here with those pictures being yeah. leaked or quote-unquote photoshopped, which I think is great. Matt um, Cardona I- posted the real pictures. Yes, I know. I saw them today. And he also posted a new shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees that is essentially <laughs> the lyrics to Enter Sandman, but it has been changed to fit his Deathmatch King persona, which is like Metallica and Matt Cardona combined into one shirt. I'm like, do I get this? I'm like, it's not my style, but... I like the shirt. It's a bit lengthy, though. Yes, I know. So. Also, I think we could say Matt Cardona might actually be the reason why this is going to be at Hammerstein and be on pay-per-view. And it's on shoot legit pay-per-view, too. It's yeah. not just on Fight TV. It's on, like, you, I, don't, well, I don't have cable anymore, but if I went in my cable box and went down to, you know, pay-per-view channels, it's on there. I could have ordered it, which I think is, is funny. You know what? I agree with that to an extent because, you know, that – homecoming show that we went to back in july that got insane press and they're you know they're striking while the iron's hot you could say yeah and also uh this week i believe was probably the last week will be featured on mc true long island story (laughs) yes i know unless uh thank thank you to mark sterling for shouting us out calling us your, your boys so yeah and thanks matt for i mean Obviously, putting us in in the show in the original in the first place in ZTLIS. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to Chi for putting us on his show that's been taken down. <laughs> yeah, for real. I have. I think I have one of the episodes saved. But I'm ex- I'm excited for I'm excited for the Cardona Janela match. Uh, two guys that are on TV constantly, and you know Matt has done a lot of press for this and has said you know this might be one of the top five biggest matches of his career. Yeah, and and rightfully so. Absolutely. Um, uh, next up, a match I don't think anybody would have seen in a million <laughs> years coming is Effie facing off against Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jeff Jarrett came into GCW in the new year, hit Effie over the head with a guitar, hit Alley Catch over the head with a guitar, and uh, I think this is cool. And I think, you know what? I mean, people are like, oh, I don't know about this match. I think this is going to be a great match. When was the last time we saw Jeff Jarrett wrestle? Back in, like, the Global Force wrestling days? No, he wrestled recently for WWE. Oh, really? Yeah. Within the last, like, two years? Uh, maybe within the last three years. Okay. Not the Uh, pandemic era, no. Okay. But, and Effie, you know, came from, you know, Southern-style wrestling. So I think these guys are going to put together a really well-done match. 
Uh, His last have... match was in 2019 for AAA. Okay. Okay, so there we go. It's been three years, three, four years almost. Yeah. So um, you're going to have the Briscoes have an open challenge for the GCW Tag Team titles. We all think it's going to be FTR, right? I think so. Could, you know, maybe it could be the, the House of Black. Maybe if it's not FTR, it could be the House of Black. It could be um, the Second Gear crew. Because AJ Gray, you know, called a shot against Eddie Kingston, but unfortunately, Eddie Kingston, what I'm reading, has an orbital bone injury. So I don't even think that match is happening. I'd be um, very surprised if it wasn't what FTR. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't either, and especially with the lineage that Hammerstein Ballroom has, having FTR in there and having this dream match on an indie show is awesome. Awesome. You have a six-man tag team match as Team Bandito of AS- ASF, Bandito, and Laredo Kid face off against Team Gringo. Uh, Arez, Dem- Demonic Flamita, and Gringo Loco. So uh, you're going to get your Lucha in there. You know, there's something for everybody on this show. You can kind of say that. Do you agree? A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, you look at a charcuterie board and, uh, oh, hey, I want some salami. I want some Gouda. don't want any of these uh, olives that are sitting there. You know, the next person comes up, they want some of the olives. Maybe they want some sharp cheddar to go with that. You never know. Um, I just don't want my meats. I don't want the meats to touch the the cheeses. No? Yeah. I don't, well, because I don't eat pork, but. uh, No empirical salumi for you? No. No. If you want to put a a beef, a hard salami, go to a kosher delicatessen, pick up some hard salami. That's that's fine. All right. Uh, You're going to have the Ring of Honor world title defended. In the second different promotion this year. So, oh my god. I just got a mess. Someone. So I get these like blank text message. I just got a picture from a phone number saying a message from Donald Trump Jr. I can't lie to you guys. This election is going to be really a tough one. So it is really important we hear from you. Ugh. Don't edit that out. That's all I'll say about that. Um, Trump okay, so Jr. text messaged you? Trump Jr. I got can you ask him. Can you ask his father for a bumper, perhaps? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I will quit this show and everything. What do you mean? He's a WWE Hall of Famer. I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Let's get the politics out of it. Talking about the Ring of Honor world title that it is, has been defended at Impact Wrestling. It will now be defended in a GCW ring. When Jonathan Gresham will defend against Blake Christian. So this should be an awesome match also. I think, you know, we are very, very fresh into 2022. But I think somebody that has taken the bull by the horns has been Jonathan Gresham. He has sought out. He has defended the title wherever he wants. He started his own promotion, Terminus, which looked like it got rave reviews. Had a banger of a match with Josh Alexander. Um, And... We're going to have Ian Riccoboni on commentary for this. Another guy who's getting booked at the Wazoo, too. So, really cool. Uh, and then he's going up to face Bandito, uh, Super Card of Honor. Ring of Honor is yeah. actually coming back. Yeah, so, that was announced for April. Yeah. Down in, uh, down in Texas. Yep, everybody uh, chasing the hug of WrestleMania weekend. Also, Blake Christian recently released from WWE, so... Yeah. Maybe and this he's been, is... And he's, I think he's, he's been on a couple of GCW shows so far. Yeah, so this is, uh, right now, I think, might be the biggest match since being released from WWE. Yes, 110%. 110%. And then your main event, he has come, he's back, 
John Moxley will be defending the GCW World title against Homicide. Uh, I want to take a minute to say I saw John on AEW this week, and he looked fantastic. Right. He looks good. He looks like he still has the piss and vinegar in him to be the same John Moxley that he was, and he's kind of out to prove everybody, you know, wrong. And I think this is gonna. This is a great man event, uh, especially with the lineage that Homicide has had in Hammerstein Ballroom with his, you know, outstanding run with Ring of Honor. It works great. So definitely a canvas show. Hopefully next week I can uh, hop on here again to uh, talk, run down the show because I'll be watching it. I'll be sitting there. I'll have some PBRs in my hands since it's sponsored by the show, and uh, have a great Sunday night because I'll be watching it from home and unfortunately not at Hammerstein. So. The world on GCW, independent wrestling rules, um, and anything else we had to touch here, Brandon? Uh, not for GCW, but uh, you got a match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Sure do. I have a match of the week, and it was from Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill. Spoke about him uh, not even five minutes ago. Jonathan Gresham facing off against Chris Sabin for the Ring of Honor original world title. I thought this match was great, and I told I must have told Dave about five times. Dave, you have to watch this match. Dave, you have to watch this match. Dave, you're going to become a huge mark for Jonathan Gresham. You agree with me, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I mean, we discussed that the other week, too. Jonathan yeah. Gresham is professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I, like like you want to talk about like, uh, he, and I tell Dave, I'm like, he's a wrestler's wrestler, especially with Dave having the you know collegiate background in wrestling. I'm like, Dave, you'd love this guy. He'd be great, and he's only gonna get bigger from here. He's got he's got the look. So uh, yeah, it was great. And also too, let's talk about the commentary team for Impact Wrestling now. Fan freaking tastic, man. Tom Hannafin, D'Lo Brown, they work so well together. You bring Ian Riccoboni in also. Woo. Maybe the best three man com- three man commentary team there there is in professional wrestling right now. It's uh, I mean that's a that's a stretch, but uh, it is very very weird hearing Tom on I, any show but WWE. I understand that too because that's where he grew up. You know, I've I've been listening to a lot of podcasts over the past couple of weeks of him talking about you know being released and you know finding these new things to do and you know Impact Wrestling. He's like he said he's like after calling hard to kill my my love of doing wrestling commentary is back like hardcore and good for him man he's, he's i thought he was awesome yeah so yeah go uh go back and watch uh, hard skill great pay-per-view every match was pretty good so um and that's that what else um so before we move on to my shout outs i wanted to make mention of the unfortunate passing of meatloaf who passed away this week at the age of 74 uh, definitely best known for the Bad Out of Hell trilogy album and songs like Paradise on the Dashboard Light, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, and I'd Do Anything for Love But I Won't Do That, which uh, I can't play music, really. I would never call myself a musician, but I can play music by ear. And that was one of, like, the more difficult piano songs to do. And when I actually figured it out, it was, like, it's like so fulfilling, you know? But uh, Meatloaf was the inspiration behind the first joke written for Cooking with Brandon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which I'm going to put in at the, the beginning of this week's episode. He was also a guest host on Monday Night Raw in 2010 to promote 
his album, Hang Cool Teddy Bear, where he ate an RKO from Randy Orton. And then years prior, he was in the, the music video for Land of a Thousand Dances that WWE had for the wrestling album yes. with all the, the wrestlers on the roster. And I never got to see Meatloaf live, but I really wanted to. It just never worked out. But I have spent many days and many nights singing his songs. So thank you for entertaining me. Thank you for giving us music and everything. Also, Louis Anderson, unfortunately, passed away this week at the age of 68. I think Louis Anderson was a tremendous comedian, truly one of the best of all time. He starred in the cartoon based on his childhood, Life with Louis. Yeah. He also receives a lot of high praise for his role on Baskets, where he channeled his mother to play Zach Galifianakis' mother on the show. And he was one of the hosts of Family Feud that ultimately made me fall in love with Family Feud. Yes. I think it would have been great to see him do stand-up. I always enjoyed watching him on Conan. And of all my terrible impressions that I do... His is one of them that I do. So is that going to be the bumper for uh It is. Brand yeah. Shadows? Okay, good. Yeah, so my condolences go out to his family, his friends, um <clears throat> the family and friends of Meatloaf as well. And uh hey Brandon, got any shout-outs? I'm Louie Anderson, and survey says Brandon shout-outs. The first shout-out goes to being the Ricardos. Have you heard of this film? Uh, yes, you talk about it first. I know it's on Amazon Prime. That's where I watch it. I believe it's in theaters as well. I thought it was really good, but apparently this movie, the critics hated it. And I don't know why, but... Basically, it was Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball, Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz, and J.K. Simmons, I thought, played William Frawley really, really well. But I, I didn't know the, the situation inside this movie. It's like a week in the, the schedule of them in I Love Lucy yeah. taping, basically, or something like that, all while dealing with the the, the news backlash for Lucille Ball being a, a Communist Party member. Yeah. Which was because of her uncle or whatever. She wasn't an actual communist. Good I, thing it's explained. I thought it was a good movie, though. I don't... I, I haven't seen the movie. I saw the trailer, but it didn't catch me. And the two, Nicole Kidman and the other guy, didn't look like the part. I thought Nicole Kidman had that Lucille Ball like voice down pat face didn't work for it. I mean, and then uh, for Ricky, it was off. Well, I enjoyed the movie. But the next shout-out's going to the Super Bob Einstein movie, which is a documentary about Bob Einstein, who passed away in 2019. But it features interviews from him, Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, Steve Martin, his brother Albert Brooks, Jimmy Kimmel, so many other people. And... It, it was, I thought it was a really good documentary, and I heard about this story prior to watching the, the documentary, but they cover his father passing away, and his father killed it at a roast of Lucy and Desi. And 
he ends up, he was a dialect comedian, by the way, with a character named Park Your Carcass. So it was like jokes based off of how you pronounce things. Mm Mm-hmm. He ends up killing at the roast, and Art Linkletter, he was the uh, the MC of the evening, questions how Einstein's not on TV in primetime, like every week or whatever, and Harry Einstein turns to Milton Berle and goes, how come? Or, yeah, how come? And then literally dies in his lap, which is like the most bizarre story I've ever heard. Jeez. But... It was it was really nice to hear all the Bob Einstein stories from his friends and stuff. So mm-hmm. if you're a fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm or Super Dave Osborne, I would say check it out on HBO, HBO Max as well. Last up, going to an anti it's an anti shout out. Oh, making a return. Yeah, people who don't respond to offers on eBay. I've spent a few days submitting offers for WWE and AEW relic like trading cards. And a majority of these offers, I got no response over and over again. And I think it's so annoying that if you're going to be selling something on eBay and and have the um, the the offer price, make an offer, how are you not going to respond? Yeah. It makes no sense. I was just trying to get some cards and it's like, I'll take a response. But almost <laughs> nobody responded. So that was, that, that sucked. But those are my shout-outs this week. Now it's time for... Our... Markout Moment of the Week. That is right, our Markout Moment of the Week. I gotta say, during the Bob Einstein documentary, they mentioned how... He's mentioned in a lot of rap songs through Super Dave Osborne, his character. And one of the songs that they highlighted was by Fat Joe, and it includes the lines, I'm rated X in sex, I flex like, like Lex Luger. <laughs> so who's who's next to get scooped up by this roughneck from Cuba? We do maneuvers like Super Dave always with a group of babes. And I thought that was cool that while they're highlighting the fact that Bob Einstein was featured in rap songs, it, it precedes a, a, a line about Lex Luger. That's uh, definitely mark out worthy. You know, for me, I marked out for uh, Peacemaker. I marked out for Peacemaker totally. But yeah. yeah. Also, during that eight man tag match on Monday Night Raw, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but after Rey Mysterio dumped Dominic out of the ring. He did the You Can't See Me taunt. <laughs> and I popped for that. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I have a non-wrestling related markout moment. Uh-huh. Where I watched the, uh, the the pilot episode of How I Met Your Father. That is out on Hulu now. And in the final scene of it, I I don't want to spoil anything, but I thought it was a nice touch that they did. And the episode, they paid tribute afterwards to Bob Saget, which I thought was nice as well. That's cool. So I thought that was cool. That's cool. And then the biggest news from this week for WWE video game wise, 2K announced more details about 2K22. And a majority of this was leaked over the weekend. But there's four different versions of this game coming out, which kind of sucks. But 
There's a standard and a deluxe version, a cross-gen digital version, and then which will allow people to play on both generations of the systems. And then they announced a digital NWO edition, which comes with alternate attires for Hogan Hall, Nash, Sixpack, and then Eric Bischoff as well, and then sold out 97 and Bash of the Beach 96. But it sucks that that's a, a, a digital thing and not a physical copy messed up and i think that was probably supposed to be last year's big thing because it's celebrating the 25th anniversary of the nwo and that's the 26th anniversary this year yeah from last year right but the deluxe also comes with the the starcade 96 ray mysterio all pre-orders come with the Boneyard Undertaker, the Lord of Darkness Undertaker attire, and the Phantom Mask Undertaker, which I think is a nice touch. Very cool. But I'm just ultimately disappointed that for $120, the same price that the, the other special editions of the, the WWE video games cost, they they don't... You get nothing physical. No. So that sucks. Yeah, totally agree. But that is episode 572. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please make sure that you check us out all over social media. Go check us out on all of the past episodes. Go buy a t-shirt, Pro Wrestling Tees. Also, go use the code REGARDLESS over at Manscaped.com. Thank you once again. We wish you the... Best of luck on your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye.